You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be talking with Jeff Miller of Vantage Point Archery, VPA, and it's a good conversation, man. These guys are a broadhead company that kind of spawned like most outdoor or or hunting industry companies do out of another company. So there was a a machining company that did whatever it is that they do. And a guy goes, "Hmm." and this guy is, is Jeff Miller. He's just like, you know what? I, I started uh, shooting traditional archery. I, I, you know, I think we could make a broadhead and out spawns VPA. And what's cool about VPA is that they are a, a single they are a single machined broadhead out of one piece of material. And now I know that there's some other companies out there that have similar products, but not all their products. And so today is a really good conversation about how the company started, about uh, their their product design, their engineering, their testing, and, and all of the, the all the SKUs as well as uh, you know how they got to the point that they're at today. And it's just a really good conversation about an American company being successful in their said space. And and we all like to hear stories like that. So awesome episode. Huge shout out to those guys for taking time out of their day to hop on the phone and uh, and chat with me. I'm going to keep this quick as it is, what time is it? It's like 9.30 at night and I coached football tonight and then I had to take my daughter to dance and here I am. So uh, I got to finish this up quick and we're going tethered. If you're looking for a badass saddle, go check out tethered. Uh, You know, I'll just say this. They got everything you need to become a saddle hunter. They also have the educational information that you need as well. So if you want to learn how to become a better better saddle hunter and not just have the gear, then you definitely need to check out saddle or uh, tethered because they're they're excuse me they're the place to be. Uh, Hunt stand again um, an app that allows you to do so many different things. Right, it allows you to obviously look at up-to-date satellite imagery, look at uh, land ownership, look at all the stuff that all the other apps have. But the best thing about HuntStand is it allows you to index tr- or uh, uh, yeah, index trail camera photos. It allows you to check out rut dates. I mean, the functionality is ridiculous. Go to HuntStand.com, read up on all the functionality, and while you're there, check out the Pro Whitetail platform upgrade as well. It's uh, If you're a serious outdoorsman, you're going to like that. And then last but not least, 
we have what do we got here oh we got tacticam and so uh tacticam is an action camera and it can mount to your bow or your gun the new 6.0 version has image stabilization it has an lcd screen it records in 4k overall it's badass and uh you need to go check it out my favorite part about action cams is you can record your hunt you can bring that footage back show your kids show your wife show your your friends and family and uh and basically they they won't call you a bser anymore and uh, you can actually actually show them what you what you saw uh so go out and support the companies that support this podcast uh huge shout out to jeff for taking time out of his day huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day uh to download and listen to this podcast do me a big favor and go uh leave a five-star review wherever you download your podcast i would really appreciate that and uh that's it let's get to today's episode three two one all right, on the Hunting Gear Podcast with me today, Mr. Jeff Miller from Vantage Point Archery. Jeff, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? It's going good, man. Hey, are you a turkey hunter? Well, I'm planning on going to West Virginia in about two weeks and see what I can kick up down there. Yeah. Uh, is is turkey hunting at the top of your priority list every year or or like... For, for me, it's it's on the bottom. I'm a whitetail guy first. I'm a I'm a turkey guy second. Yeah, I don't do a. It's not my top priority, but it's kind of nice to be able to get out in the spring when everything's flowers and everything are blooming. And, oh yeah, and be out there in the wilderness. I'll tell you what. Something about a turkey gobble getting really close and then being able to hear him spit and drum. Man, that's yep. that'll get the hairs on the back of my neck standing up. Yep. All right, so uh, Vantage Point Archery—that's the 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 topic today. Here we're going to talk about this company. Um, why don't you tell? First off, where where is Vantage Point located? It's located in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And yep. so, how long have you been in, with the company, and what is your role in the company? Well, uh, basically. Uh, it's part of, it's separate, but it's part of Absolute Machining, and I'm a machinist. Okay. And so I've been working for Absolute Machining since 2004, and uh, and since I'm a machinist and I'm a bow hunter, I did start getting into traditional archery archery about uh, around 2000, mm-hmm. and uh, so. Being a machinist, I kind of like to make my own things and improve products and yeah. stuff like that. So basically, we started uh, in 2009. Uh, we started up the company Vantage Point Archery. Okay. And uh, since I, I designed a broadhead on one of our rotary indexers, machined out of solid steel. And so most of your broadheads are multi-piece four or five piece separate blades and everything. And yeah. those can be, those can be weak points mm-hmm. in the broadhead itself. And being able to make it out of solid bar stock is uh, an advantage in being able to heat treat it and everything all one piece. And it, after a lot of testing and everything, uh, it just held up really well. And 
you can uh, basically shoot multiple animals with them and just keep resharpening them. So yeah. they are extremely durable and easy to sharpen and, and uh, being able, they make, they may cost a little more, you know, in the beginning, but since uh, you can keep resharpening them, the more you can use them, then yeah. the cost radically goes down. So, yeah. All right. So you started with the company as a machinist. You're also a traditional bow hunter. And, and then was, was this just something that started off as you tinkering around with something or did you have a goal of, of starting a broadhead company? I didn't really have a goal to start one, but, uh, I shot, uh, cut on contact broadheads that were basically multi-piece, uh, silver soldered braids together. Yeah. And, you know, I got to looking at them and thinking that, well, I could machine these and make them one solid piece and eliminate any of the weak points and, uh, and being able to use different types of steel. And, uh, and that's basically where it started. And so I tried to make some prototypes and basically I was, I was shooting a 250 grain broadhead and, uh, with building it up with inserts and everything to get the weight up there. And, and so that's kind of what I started off making is the 250 grain three blade. Okay. And then, uh, that worked out really good. We did a lot of testing, shooting at different media and stuff, and it held up really well. And so, so we kind of, this was right after that, we pretty much started uh, Vantage Point Archery. And then the product kind of got out there by word of mouth yeah. for basically several years. And, yeah. and it just kept growing. And every year we kept adding more weights and designs and everything until we're here where you are now. So Okay. Let's talk a little bit about that, that uh, machining process uh, of one solid piece because I believe there's uh, a couple other companies who machine one solid piece or, or, or broadheads out there that machine one solid piece for their broadheads. What is it? You, you mentioned weak points uh, in, in design. What is it about a solid piece that makes it more durable? Well, like I say, there's, there's no uh, joints on it where it's silver soldered together where when something's going to break, when you hit something hard or bone or something, it's going to usually snap at the joints Okay, uh, where it's put together. And since it's made out of solid bar stock, there's no joints that are soldered together or anything. So right, it makes it stronger there. Yeah. So when you were doing your prototypes uh, and, and doing your testing, what did that testing look like? Because obviously, you know, being in the you know, a machinist, you can't just go, "Hey, I've designed this. Let's start a business." It's, it's not really that simple. There, obviously, there had to be some testing and some, you know, some some uh, uh, 2.0 versions, 3.0 versions of the broadhead to get it to uh, a, a quality where it could be sold to the public and it would actually kill some deer. So, what did that testing process look like for you guys? Well, basically, we had the original design and. We did a few prototypes and heat treated them and got them ready. And then we did some testing on shooting at different media, cinder blocks, uh, basically 55 gallon drums, metal drums and stuff like that. Yeah. And doing some penetration tests on 
different things and seeing how they held up and uh, basically doing a little tweaking here and there and uh, to improve the performance and durability mm-hmm. and trying different materials and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's basically a continuous improvement year after year, but the original design, there wasn't a whole lot that had to be done uh, to the original design to make it work good. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the, uh, the uh, experience in doing that was trying to get packaging and, and had to come up, you know, with the name for the company and everything else. So, yeah. Um, so the actual design so, of the product for it, the, the way you're making it sound, the design of the product, the creation of the product was the easy part. Yeah. The first one, um, I mean, a three blade broadhead is pretty much a three blade broadhead. Yeah. And it's just a matter of, uh, like pyramid in the point. So it's not a needle point and stuff like that to make the point stronger. Mm-hmm. And since it's pretty much, you know, it's a one piece machine broadhead, you don't have to put it together. So, yep. and, uh, and it's just a matter of trying to get the, the length and the width and everything. So you decided on an inch and an eighth was a good, uh, place to start. Yeah. where you, you have, you know, it's legal in every state and it's not too wide to, you know, hinder uh, penetration. It's, it's not too narrow to get a, a good blood trail. Yeah. So, and from there, we just went with different weights that people are asking for. And, okay. Yeah. I want to talk about this process, this machining process. I, I find machining really interesting because obviously you can machine a rim for a car and you can also machine like large object objects but then you can also machine something as small as a broadhead if not smaller and so there are a lot of there's a especially in the thread of the broadhead itself talk to us a little bit about the intricacies of machining a broadhead out of a solid piece of metal well, uh, basically, to make the the blank for the broadhead, we have to use a lathe. Mm-hmm. We all have CNC lathes, so basically making the blank out of solid bar stock. So we get uh, we get we used to get twelve foot bars in, and we'd have to cut them into four foot that would feed through the lathe. Now, now we're getting uh, we have automatic bar feeders and everything since we've grown. And so they cut them in three foot lengths from uh, the steel supplier. And then uh, we just load the uh, bar feeder up with whatever size stock we need to use. So if you use like inch and eighth, it'll uh, it'll push that bar, however much, however long the broadhead is through the spindle of the lathe. And it'll create that original profile of the, of the cone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so after we did that, we had to figure out a way to hold on to the blades to fixture it up to uh, machine it yeah. on on a rotary indexer on a CNC mill, and then a, another operation to hold on to those blades and machine the uh, threaded portion. Okay. All right. So, and we've modified that over the years till we come to the point 
where it seems to be working the best, most consistent, spins the truest and everything right off the machine. So gotcha. Okay. Uh and, and so the obviously the machine that does the machining has to be very deep like like precise, I take it. Yes. Uh the machines that we're using now uh are made by Akuma and uh they have a two tenths two two tenths of an inch tolerance point okay. zero 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 two. Okay. So it's it's uh, a very fine tolerance. They extremely reliable and, and rigid machines that we use the machine them with. So okay. So as you guys, uh, you know, you're you're messing around with the prototype. You do the testing. You say, hey, let's take this to market. You, you finally get the name uh, Vantage Point Archery. Uh, you get the packaging and all that stuff. What was the initial reaction from the the public? Uh, about the podcasts or excuse me about the the broadheads that you guys released well like i say it's all word of mouth and we pretty much gave some away and for people to test and everything and and people loved them so much that they said well you need to make these for everybody because i was pretty much originally started making them for myself yeah and uh so the different people that we gave them to to test and everything and try them. They, they really liked them. And uh, so it pretty much went from there. I mean, we had, you say we had one guy originally shoot 21 hogs with the same broadhead and he just finally retired it. Wow. So if you, as long as you don't lose them and, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> which is the catch 22 for us because, we not we want to sell more, but yeah, you know if if they don't lose them, they they hold up a long time, right? And so, uh, so it was just kind of word of mouth that started the company. Uh, and and how yep. many how many products how many heads did you bring to market initially? Well, initially, uh, like I said, we started out with that two hundred and fifty grain, and then uh, from there, you know, a lot of a lot of compound shooters wanted a lighter weight and so we went down went down to uh, 175 and 150 all the way down at one time we made 85 grain right but uh our standard now is from 100 grain all the way up to 300 grain okay so it was like I say it was all all word of mouth for quite a few years we didn't put any money into advertising or anything as pretty much all word of mouth and and then other companies seeing well could you make us a broadhead you know and then they they'd label it there you know for them and however whatever they wanted to name them and everything else so it just grew it pretty much doubled from the first year every year to now gotcha oh so so your guys's company was not only making vantage point heads, but you guys were doing other work for other companies making their heads as well? Yes, about after about three or four years, other companies noticed our heads. Yeah. And was wanting us to design some for them and and so they can pretty much have the same products. So we is we is the very first company to actually make a three blade machined broadhead fully machined yes okay all right and so 
Go ahead. Yeah, there's companies out there that made uh, that made cast broadheads, uh, MIM technology, which is molded, yep. metal injected, but that's a totally different process. It's a little more porous and everything. So using solid bar stock, it was a stronger product. Okay. All right. Um, are you allowed to say what other brands that that you made for? Uh, some of the newest ones, I, I can't really say. But I mean, we've made we've made some for Custom King, Free Rivers Archery. We made uh, some for Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. We we made there's some newer ones that we're making for other companies. Yeah. Um, so. And then we started, I mean, like I say, started word of mouth here locally and, and now it's, it's worldwide yeah. and we ship all over the world now. So, and this is, this is an American made product. Yes. Okay. It's all made in Indiana. Nice. Awesome. Okay. So what was the initial reaction from the people who used them? You know, you gave some away for free, this company started, and then, you know, you really almost have to wait a hunting season to get the feedback from the people. Uh, what was the initial reaction from the public after uh, after the first release? Well, uh, basically, everybody that we gave them to, to have them try, they, you know, they, they really liked them and saying, you need to go public with this and yeah. start selling them commercially and everything. And yeah. we thought about it and because everybody liked them, how durable they were. That was that was the main thing is how durable they were and right. and super easy to sharpen and, and how they uh, spun through and everything right from right from the get go and yeah and so everything was word of mouth and uh, for for several years there and it just kept growing and until uh, we had to hire more people and <laughs> yeah. Cause I was the only one pretty much making them and from the beginning for the first few years. And okay. So I was had my plate full. Yeah. So, okay. Out of that initial response, then what were, what was the next step? I mean, was it just different styles? Was it different weights? Uh, because obviously now you guys have, uh, you know, three blades, two blades, you have uh single bevels, you have, uh, double bevels i believe two two yeah. yeah double bevels and so you have you have a variety of lineups now uh in your lineup uh what was the next thing that people were asking you to build well basically after the initial 250 grain like say uh the next step was to make different weights of yeah. basically the same design uh a lot of people don't understand you got to match the grain weight with out making the blades too thin so if they want a three inch long broadhead at 100 grains it's basically impossible to do because if you make the blades that thin it's not going to be durable anymore right right so you have to it's a it's a process where you have to design whatever weight you're looking for you have to change the length and and stuff like that, possibly the diameter. So if, if everybody wants an inch and eighth, you got to pretty much play with the weight or with the length and the blade thickness a little bit and the ferrule yeah. length and stuff like that to get it to weigh right and still keep it durable. 
Okay. So it's not so a lot of the the uh, numbers on that broadhead change as you go up in grains. It's not like you're adding just more mass to a single blade. All the dimensions are changing. Right. Okay. Pretty much all the dimensions are changing when you go from one weight to the next. Is that comp- is that a complicated process or is all of that just done in the design room? It's it's uh, the difference between design and actually machining the prototype and seeing and you can, you can kind of guess what it's going to weigh. Yeah. And get get a fairly accurate uh, volume measurement and everything from the broadhead. But uh, the real test is when you actually go out there and machine it and uh, see what it weighs and say, okay, I'm going to have to make it uh, like an eighth inch shorter to get the weight to to where it needs to be and keep the blade thickness and the diameter, you know, yeah. the same stuff like that. So, okay, it's a process in the in the prototype between design and machining it. Yeah, this is a this is a random question, uh, and I maybe it's a dumb question, but I. Uh, what is the difference then between a a broadhead that is 125 grains and a broadhead that is uh, 200 grains, but they both have the same cutting di- diameter? Well, that's where the length would come in and the, the length of the ferrule also. Okay. So you can adjust the length of the ferrule. So there's a lot of weight in the center of that broadhead from the ferrule because it's all one piece. It's not hollowed out like some of them with inserts in them. Okay. So you can adjust the length of that ferrule and we try to keep the uh, diameter of the back of the ferrule uh, to five sixteenths, which is pretty much a standard diameter for a lot of the shafts. Yeah. And uh, so you adjust that length, adjust the total length of the broadhead itself, how long the blades are. So if you if you want a forty thousand thick blade, uh, you can't change that too much to adjust the weight and keep the length the same. So you got to adjust the length in the of the blade and the ferrule to get pretty much what you're looking for. Okay. All right. Um, and so you just started making different weights uh, and dimensions of the same broadhead. When did the 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 two blades come out when did the the next generation or the next skew of uh broadheads come out so after we made uh i'd say four or five different weights in the three blades uh people were asking could you make a two blade Mm -hmm. so um so i started experimenting and and designing a, a two blade and and started out with a double bevel and uh, trying to keep the blade thickness where it needs to be to, to be strong and, and pyramid the tip or basically a tanto tip. Had to figure out ways to hold on to them and pretty much the same process as a three blade. But uh, it's just pretty much what people were asking for yeah. in different weights, diameters, and styles. So... Gotcha. So we made the two blade for uh, a few years, and then then the latest thing was the the uh, single bevels that uh, people were wanting. And then, of course, with the single bevel, you got to 
a right bevel and a left bevel. So whatever you make with the double bevel, you know, it, you don't have to make two different styles of that. It's just double bevel for, yeah, you know, a standard two blade, but yeah. So with the single bevel, you had to make a, you know, pretty much the most popular would be the right bevel, but it's all going to depend on what type of fletching you use and whether it's uh right offset or left offset or helical or whatever. So you got to have the bevel matching which way your arrow's spinning. Yeah. Otherwise it's going to counteract what you're doing. Okay. With if you the wrong, if you use the wrong bevel. Right. So just for example there, if you're shooting a right bevel, a two blade right bevel, what way does your fletching, what way do your fletchings need to be on your. So, so on a right bevel, uh, it's going to, when the broadhead impacts, it's going to twist to the right, be a clockwise mm-hmm. motion. So you want the same motion coming off your bow. So you want either a right offset or right helical uh, fletching to spin the same way as your broadhead's going to impact. Okay. Gotcha. Makes sense. All right. And so the next question I have here is, how many people are asking you to build these things? It, it must have been a lot because if some dude, just one guy's like, hey, man, I think you should make this broadhead. Like, I don't see a company bending over backwards for a single person. So it must have been several people asking for the same thing. Right. Okay. Um, it's It's kind of, yeah, it used to be, you know, when people didn't don't understand what it takes to actually design and come up with a broadhead that's actually going to work and weigh and everything to come out right. But so you have several people asking for the same thing and, and you say, okay, so it's probably about time to see if we can design something to satisfy these people. Right. So, okay. All right. So. I got to ask this question on, on some of your broadheads, they're solid, right? There's no, I don't know what the term is, but there's no holes in the blade itself. Yeah. Vented, vented, vented. Yep. Yep. Vented and non-vented. What is the difference between vented and non-vented blades? And is there any type of performance uh, difference between the two? Well, personally, I like the non-vented, but, that's another one of the issues when you're trying to make a longer broadhead and get the weight correct. Mm-hmm. There's no other option except to either vent the broadhead or pocket it or, or something. Take some of that material out. The material's got to come out of somewhere in order to get the weight down. Gotcha. So, so that's uh, basically the same process. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much to get the blade length where you want it. And get it to weigh correctly, uh, you gotta cut windows in the in the blades. And there's a little, there can be a little bit of advantage on windy days with a vented broadhead if you got a side wind that's blowing hard. Mm-hmm. But for most purposes, it doesn't make much difference in, in how they fly. Yeah. But. Uh, a non-vented broadhead is going to be a little stronger because you're not cutting any holes in the blades. Right. 
And plus, uh, non-vented broadhead's going to be a little quieter. That was my next question, yeah. Because there's no air moving through the vents. Yeah. Do, do you guys do any noise testing? Yeah, we've had several people test, you know, for noise and stuff. And you get all kinds of, of remarks. Saying, and a lot of it has to do with how their bow's set up and, and how their arrow's tuned. Yeah. Uh, and what people are hearing. Some people say, well, I get a, a whistle. And other people say, I can't hear anything. Yeah. And you can, for all practical purposes, it's, it sounds, I mean, your fletching is going to make about the same amount of noise as the broadhead itself. Okay. So uh, a vented broadhead isn't loud, but you can, you can hear possible air noise passing it. Okay. It, it doesn't actually whistle or anything. Yeah. Unless your setup's incorrect. Okay. Um, because in in the past, man, I, I've I've shot some broadheads that were dead silent with mm-hmm. the same arrow setup, and then I've I've shot some uh, broadheads in the past that I could definitely hear them leave my bow all the way to a fifty yard shot, just. Shoo! Yep, you know? yep. And I just yes. for some for some reason I could not get behind that broadhead. I'm like a deer is here. If I can hear it, a deer's definitely hearing it and they're dropping out of mm-hmm. sight. They're already gone at 50 yards with my arrow weight. Yeah. And so I just couldn't get behind them. Um well, that's where we had the some broadheads their vents uh can be louder than other vents. So yeah. that's where we had to design an experiment and uh, see what was going to be the quietest and and the strongest to to make the blades structurally strong and so it's kind of a compromise between the two what's the quietest and strongest that we can make so okay so uh it's almost like an equation if if you try to make it quiet it potentially especially with the venom ones if you try to make it too quiet you may lose some durability or some strength in it and if you if you add too much strength into it and you know bakes base the vents off the strength then it could potentially be too loud correct okay basically the uh if if you can make the vents as big as possible uh and still have structural integrity there's those are going to be pretty much the quietest gotcha. if you have real small vents and make it so you have all these ribs in there to to help the structure of the blade retain structure they can be a little louder the smaller they are so gotcha. it's kind of a compromise between the two gotcha is there such thing as a perfect broadhead from a de- from a design standpoint well, there's a there's a three to one ratio that it, it's is all going to depend on your setup and everything. Uh, a lot of people say, well, you got to have a three to one ratio to get the best penetration that you can have. What's the th- what's the three to one ratio? Explain that. So the three to one ratio would be whatever diameter. Let's say you're using a one inch broadhead uh, cutting diameter. The three to one ratio would be three inches long to the one inch diameter. Okay. So there's, there's a, a line you got to draw. Like say, it's going to have to, 
deal with the weight and the length and the, and the structural integrity. The main thing that you need to have in a broadhead is structural integrity. Yeah. If that goes, if, if it breaks, you're done. So yeah, you're not going to get any penetration if your broadhead breaks when it hits a rib or something. Right. So uh, anywhere from basically one and a half to two to up to whatever you want, basically to three inches, you're going to, as long as it's uh, structurally integral, you're going to mostly get a pass through. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. I, I didn't know if like, you know, because when it, in, in bows, in bow manufacturing, you, you look at the specs, right? And it's mm -hmm. this draw at this weight equals, you know, this IBO speed or this mm -hmm. draw at this weight and this, um, you know, what, uh, axle to axle or wh whatever, whatever the case may be, or the brace height equals this outcome. And I didn't know if there was a, a standard or a, um, a, a, I guess, I guess it would just be a standard in broadhead design, especially for fixed blades that say, if you go outside of these specs, then your broadhead just won't be good. There's really not any standards that I know of as far as what will work and what won't work. It's uh, basically, you know, there's formulas that you can pull up on the internet that uh, will calculate kinetic energy and momentum. Yeah. And uh, so a lot of people look at the kinetic energy and don't pay a whole lot of attention to the momentum. Mm -hmm. In archery, it's more important to look at the momentum because when you're looking at kinetic energy, you're, it has more to deal with a high-velocity, high-powered rifle and the impact that it creates, and that's your kinetic energy, where momentum is like the heavier the object is, the more it takes to stop it. Mm -hmm. We are not looking at expelling all the energy into a deer or animal with a, an arrow. You're looking to get a pass through with it. So you want the momentum to carry your arrow all the way through and, and make two holes. So that's where a lot of people look at the kinetic energy instead of the momentum. So if you go, if you plug in the formula and use, plug in the numbers in that formula, you'll notice that the heavier the arrow the more momentum you get into a certain point, the kinetic energy will stop and your momentum will keep climbing to a certain point. So, okay. So explain this to me as a baby, because I, I, maybe it's over my head. What is the difference between kinetic energy and momentum? So like I say, in the kinetic energy has to do with the energy that is, coming off your bow or rifle or whatever you're shooting. So if you, if it's traveling at say 250 feet per second and your arrow total arrow weight is uh, say 400 grains, you're going to impact the target or animal at a specific kinetic energy and a specific momentum. Okay. So, 
so like I was saying, so if you went with a lighter broadhead and raise, it would raise your feet per second up, say 350 feet per second, you're going to have higher velocity, but your arrow is going to be weighing, say, 250 grains, and it's more apt to bounce off a rib or anything, even though it's going faster. Now you put a heavier tip on there, heavier broadhead, say a 150, 200 grain broadhead and your airway is 500 grains or 600 grains, it's going to be going slower, but when it impacts, it has more momentum, more momentum going through it and you're more apt to go all the way through the animal. Okay. So from an archery standpoint or a bow hunting standpoint, momentum is really the king. That's what you're looking for. Yes, and I know a lot of people, they want the fastest bow, the fastest arrow, and they don't understand, well, bow hunting is a close-range sport mm-hmm. to begin with, and that's you're trying to get closer to the animal, and the closer, the better. So even with the fastest bows, if you're shooting a deer out there 50, 60 yards, it has a lot of chance to duck the arrow or, or move from the spot that you actually was aiming for. Yeah. And here, if you, it might get there faster with a lighter arrow, but it uh, has a greater chance to just wound in it instead of getting the pass through. Fail. So when you guys design, you're looking at the momentum, the, the, the momentum of the broadhead or whatever you're, you're designing that with it, that in mind, right? Okay. All right. I'd say the number one uh, thing in design that we're looking for is durability. Gotcha. And uh, once you have that, you have, you know, your, your broad is not going to break. So then you can, then the second thing you need to look for is uh, being able to sharpen it and, and keeping it sharp. Right. And so you need to, a sharp broadhead to do its job because that's what what it does it cuts a hole so yeah if you're not if you have a dull broadhead you know you're not cutting the veins and arteries like you need to you're just pushing them out of the way so right right all right so i had a uh one of my one of my friends works for wasp archery um and he was he he said he's an engineer there and he's like i wish i i didn't have to make a hundred grain broadheads because I, I just don't feel they're as durable. I don't feel they're, they're as strong. Uh, I wish I could, you know, build one twenty fives and up, but people ask for smaller, you know, these, these hundred grain broadheads all the time. What, when, when I look at your broadheads and I see 300 grains, who's, who's shooting that? Is that more of a traditional archer or, is that more, is that a compound guy as well with like a carbon shaft? Well, uh, if you notice, people are, are starting to learn more about heavy yeah. FOC front mm-hmm. of center. Yeah. And they learn that going with a heavier broadhead, the arrows fly better. They get better penetration. Yep. And it makes the bow quieter. It's easier on the bow. There's all kinds of advantages doing it. The only disadvantage of going with a heavier arrow is you got more drop at a certain distance. Mm-hmm. 
but at bow hunting ranges there's not enough difference to uh even worry about so if you're shooting 20 to 30 yards and you jump up to 150 grain broadhead over 125 or 100 grain you're not gonna notice that much drop and as you know if you got it sight your bow sighted in for that particular broadhead it doesn't you know it doesn't make much difference anyway so right people are just learning learning now that going with heavier has all kinds of advantages okay and so and that's the trend right uh foc or what whatever they call it you know that's the that's the the big trend now everybody seems to be jumping on board and i'll i'll agree with you man once i went to uh it it only took me the biggest year of my life to learn the lesson Uh, i never recovered him but uh i shot i hit him high he survived and he was killed the next year but i was shooting a fairly light arrow back then uh with a big uh, well with a i'm just gonna say an untested at the time a broadhead and it did not do what i what I wanted it to. And that right there made me go, all right, I need to move everything up. Uh, and not necessarily the weight of my broadhead, but the weight of my arrow is exact, like is what I want. So, mm-hmm. and so I, I jumped everything up. I was, I think I was shooting sub 400, like in the three twenties. Now I'm shooting like a 524 inch total arrow weight arrow. And, uh, it, if it's at 30 yards and I hit it right, it's going through the, you know, it's going through the right. animal. So, right. Yeah. Like I say, there's all kinds of advantages of going heavier and very few disadvantages. Yeah. And so you're saying that these, these, uh, arrows are, are for the compound guy and for the, the, uh, uh, the traditional guy as well. Yes. Okay. Uh, the uh the compound guys are are like I say learning that going heavier helps them just as much as a traditional guy that already mostly started with heavier stuff you know to begin with yeah they uh you know a traditional bow you're anywhere from 150 to just over 200 feet per second in in most instances so gotcha you're only let's say average 170, 180 feet per second, but you're shooting a 600 grain arrow and you get, you have that momentum. It'll go right through a deer like butter. So, yeah. Yeah. That, and there's nothing better than watching something like that go down, man. I just love watching arrows go through deer. I, I, that may make me sound uh, like a monster, but it's just like, as, as a bow hunter, there's nothing sweeter watching an arrow just go right through it. Yeah, just disappear. Yep. So, um, what's you guys are are you guys strictly just a, a broadhead company? I mean, I, I see you guys make some small game heads and you make some turkey heads, uh, but are are there are you guys going to take this uh, any other directions, or is this just a broadhead company? Well, we're we're expanding to go. Uh, more directions like we we have a uh, an ILF riser that we make we've been making that for uh, several years now and it, it's real popular an ILF riser is a 13 inch 
riser that uses uh, ILF limbs, international limb fitting. So you can change your limbs out, different weights and longbow recurve, different grips, low, medium, high. And uh, that's that's a real popular option that we've been making for several years. So you, uh, you guys are just manufacturing the riser. Uh, if I was like, okay, well, I want to use this riser. What, how do I get limbs? Where do I go to get limbs for this riser? So there, there's several companies that make ILF limbs. Uh, some of the, some of the best limbs uh, are made in Korea because that's, they're big into archery and in traditional archery and stuff. So a lot of your limbs, uh, your high end ones will come from Korea and there, there are several uh, limb manufacturers, smaller companies in the States that actually make ILF limbs. And uh, so you can like, you can go from the Three Rivers Archery or a lot of places, Lancaster Archery and, and they, they have ILF limbs and you can, you know, select your weight and, and your length and recurve longbow. So there's a lot of options you can, go with okay uh and and is this more for target or is this for anybody it's for anybody it's hunting target uh and the nice thing about ilf is you can adjust the weight up or down like three or four pounds yeah and you can use different length limbs let's say if you're hunting in a blind you can use short limbs and not have to worry about hitting the the top of the blind or anything and and if you want to just target practice, you can use lightweight limbs and uh, without having to buy another bow itself, gotcha. you can just change your limbs and okay. have all kinds of options. Okay. All right. Well, I tell you what, man, I, after listening to this, you know, this podcast, it sounds like you guys got some, some pretty cool designs over there at, uh, at the vantage point, uh, some pretty cool heads. If there's someone listening and they're on the fence about, you know, or they're looking for a new broadhead or they're on the fence about, you know, buying a, uh, a new set of heads, why should they lean towards uh, vantage point? Well, pretty much if, if they want a broadhead that's going to fly true and be extremely durable, easy to sharpen and be able to uh, invest that initial amount of money and be able to use it over and over and realize that uh, they're really getting their money's worth yep. when you can use them multiple times. And uh, so, I mean, like I say, the biggest thing is looking for is durability, yeah, structural integrity. So once you have that, you know, it's going to hold up through your animal and you're not going to lose your animal as long as you hit it in the boiler room. Okay. All right. Well, I tell you what, Jeff, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day today to hop on and, and uh, educate us on Vantage Point. Uh, if people want to find out more information about the company, where should we send them? You can you can just either search for Vantage Point Archery through Google or whatever search engine you want. And we're located right here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And we have a, a pretty good sized presence on the internet and so if you do any kind of search for vantage point archery it should pop up all right and i believe that's vparchery.com is the website so if you uh, like what you heard today go check it out jeff man i appreciate your time hey thanks for having me on absolutely